Thank you. Hey, good to see you all. Yeah. We're going to have uh, the youth go back to the back, I believe. They're going to have their service, and uh, there's some little cards laying around here for today's event. We hope that you guys will come and join us this afternoon from 3 to 5 for our uh, 5.30 for our Rodeo Sunday. A lot of things going to be happening. One of those things will be a bull riding competition. And uh, yeah, somebody was talking a little smack talk a few weeks ago. And uh, it was just to inspire some of you all to come out. That's all it was. But I want you to know there will be an asterisk on the bottom of that trophy this year because I can't ride, you know, so you're just going to, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's kind of like doesn't really count in a way, you know what I mean? But anyway, <laughs> yes, right, Juan? You said you were going to get me. This is your chance. I can't do it. Uh, but anyway, glad that you're here. We love you. It's going to be a, a, a lot of fun. We will have some ponies for the kids, and we have chili cook-off and different stuff going on. There's different competitions that we hope that you'll come and be a part of. Would you take one of these cards there around the house and invite someone and bring them back with you today? Um, and uh, yeah, glad that you're here and glad to be here. And I thank you uh, to Pastor Mike and Pastor Jaron for filling in the last two weeks. Uh, very appreciative of those guys. Uh, we were watching the services. I'm so blessed that we have an online service. It's so, so, uh, I'm so grateful. I am. It's so amazing that even if you can't be at the house of God, you can be with the family of God. It's not the same. There's no doubt. If you've ever, uh, if you've only stay online and you've never been in the house, show up. It's going to be a lot better for you. I promise you. It's amazing when we're together in God's house as the family, and uh, I'm so grateful. I know um, Jaron is my nephew, uh, and he made a mention about his parents probably getting a hold of him last week because he felt insignificant as the number four child, and uh, I'm a number four child, so I understand that, but he didn't expect his uncle to get a hold of him when he said his uncle talks a lot longer than he does, so I don't know if his parents text him, but I did. Right after the service, I was like, dude, you quit when I do, so don't even, all right? So, hey, did you spend at least five minutes a day, five days last week reading or listening to God's Word? Yes. You spent some time alone with God this week with no agenda of your own? Yes. You know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Yes. Are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? Yes. Share Jesus with someone this week? Yes. Invite someone to church with you today? Great opportunity to do that, just to have people come and just see what's happening, right? Well, you know, probably we've been here, I can't believe it, this July, Kim and I will have been here 19 years as your pastor. Yeah, it doesn't seem possible. I say all the time, I was a young man when I came and you guys did this to me. I, I think <laughs> it's been a rough road, but anyway, my wife looks good anyway, so, you know, sorry about this, you know. Uh, but, you know, when we moved here uh, from Michigan, we're, we were both born and raised in Inkster, which is a, a suburb of Detroit. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word. It's, we're part of Detroit over there. It's all one thing. Kind of like Phoenix is with all that. You don't know you're leaving the city, and there's another sign that says that. So Inkster was kind of like that to Detroit. 
And we grew up there, but I grew up with the love for horses. Uh, my aunt and uncle had horses, our aunt and uncle. Uh, and so anytime I could, I was out there with them, and I loved being with them. I, I, you guys know I had an um, introverted self that I put myself into. And so a lot of times I lived in an unreal world of my mind and my imagination. I am grateful for my imagination because I still have a really good one, but the thing it was developed in was living in a different world than the one that I'm in with you. And so I would often check out into a different space in my mind. And so in that, I, uh, I would love magazines and different stuff like that. And I'd, I fell in love with horses because it was like a, an escape from my real world. And then when I would go and be with the horses, it's like, it, if you've never been with them, it's very therapeutic. They are used for therapy. Uh, they are like, there's just something about being with them that gives me a calmness inside. And uh, it's like a, a very amazing thing that God blessed me with that opportunity to be with them growing up. And so it was my desire, and prior to knowing Kim, that uh, I would have horses of my own in my own yard someday. And uh, when Kim and I got together, she was 15, I was 16, we started seeing each other. Uh, we got married when she was 19, I was 20. Uh, so we've grown up together, and we're still growing up together. But we both shared that desire and dream of having horses and being in that setting. So I told people, now don't be offended when I say this, when I say I came out of the closet, I was a closet cowboy. <laughs> so, so, you know, uh, yeah, there's a lot more to that story, but we won't go there. But I'm just saying, like, I... I love the, the whole Western cowboy life. I love horses. I love cattle. I love all of that. And here I did, grew up in the metro Detroit, in the city. It's crazy, you know, just kind of displaced. And y'all know that when we came here, I didn't want to come. Uh, if you don't know that, I was sobbing my eyes out in the hotel over there on Elvernon, uh, the Doubletree Hotel, uh, weeping. Someone probably thought I lost someone that I loved. Uh, because I was mourning when I went back to that room and was begging God not to make me come here. And as I prayed that prayer, I'm glad he doesn't listen and he doesn't answer all of our prayers. I am really glad for that in so many ways. But as I prayed that prayer that day, God knew that uh, <laughs> this, is, this is what he made me for. <laughs> He's incredible. And so with that love that God gave to me, guys, I, I could stand here and tell you all day long, and I won't because Jaron thinks I talk too long anyway, but I, <laughs> I <laughs> uh, try not to bring that up again. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> yes, I love you. I, uh, I could tell you, though, how amazing God is and how he does stuff. You know, when just the fact that we literally have horses in our yard today uh, right out front of our house that I look out my window anytime I want to, and there they are. And uh, I have uh, Spur. She's the most beautiful horse on our property. That's my horse, and she's a buckskin. And uh, she's a gift from God that he gave to me. And uh, I've had her since she, well, I bought her in utero, so she, her mom was pregnant for her. God painted her exactly like I wanted. I always wanted a buckskin with a dun stripe and no white, and there she is. And, uh, you know, God did that. He knew the desires of my heart, and he gave her to me. 
And then my wife wanted a white horse. Well, she has a Palomino. I think they're in a picture here. Yeah, they are. So that's Spur. I'm sorry. She's a little bit off the screen. She's the prettiest one. Um, <laughs> and then, then there's my wife's horse, which is the Palomino, and her name's Angel. And Latigo is our uh, most recent uh, addition to our family. And um, she is a uh, Gruya um, horse, and she's part of the Buckskin family as well. Now, they're all American Quarter horses. I've raised, we've raised Mustangs and gentled them and gentled all these. They've, we had them since they were babies and did all the work with them. Uh, the reason I have a picture of them up here is just so you see how amazing God is and how he does, he does know our heart, you know, and he just, he's so amazingly good. So when I was a kid... I told you I loved horses, and all I thought about was riding. That's all I cared about, was the horse was there for me to ride. And so getting a saddle on him and going riding was what it was all about. And for many years, that's all I saw, was that perspective of doing that. And so when I did that, and I just grew up with that mindset, is I never considered the horse. You see, like my idea was that you're there to serve me. I didn't think this through. It's just the way I viewed it. Like, this is your purpose. I'm here. You're going to serve me. Let's go do what I want to do, and let's do this, right? So I love to be around them, but the whole purpose was for that objective of riding. And I didn't have a clue that you could have a relationship with a horse. I didn't know that. Because, see, I had one perspective was that was just go for a ride. It's all about my entertainment, my fun, going and doing what I want to do. And I didn't have a clue. So in that, my view was very self-serving. It was all about me, not about you or what you want, because I already know what you want. You want to serve me, right? <laughs> and so I'm going to let you serve me the way I want you to serve me, and that's how I approached it. And so as I've grown in my maturity and understanding of things, I began to see my own selfishness and understanding that a horse not only has a personality, but they also have a desire for relationship. They were created to serve, and they want to serve. But what you have to do is help them understand that their purpose is to serve you in love, not in simple obedience. And so I began to see a relationship with them that was possible that was more than just riding. And so I can tell you today, I care more about being with them than riding. Not that I don't love to ride. I do, and I like to do it, but I like to be with them, just to be around them and in their environment and to just be in that space of just doing that. So let's just say, everybody here, you're in the market for a new horse, and you're going to buy a horse for yourself. So you began to look. So I'm going to give you some terms that are used for the horse community. So if I, I look at a picture and I'm like, everybody goes by the view, right? I think that horse is pretty. You should look at the feet first because it doesn't matter how they look. If the feet don't work, it doesn't matter because the horse isn't going to do a thing, right? So look at the feet first, then go up to what they look like. Now, as I say that to you here then, you're going to look for this horse and all of a sudden you're going to run into some terminology that will say something to you. So I'm trying to sell you a horse. So I'm going to label it. One of the labels that they say is green. When they say a horse is green, that means some work might be done with it, but it's only started. Yeah. All right? So I'm giving you terms for a reason. 
Another term you're going to run into, advanced rider recommended. Okay. So, so what that's telling you is there needs to be a confident rider that knows how to handle a horse because more than likely it's a strong-minded horse that doesn't do what it's supposed to do and you're going to have to make it. Okay. So the next term that you're going to run into is advanced beginner. So what this horse is, is it's saying that if you think you're a cowboy, you can handle this horse. The reality is you probably can't. And so it's advanced beginner because once you think you're advanced beyond a beginner, you're going to get a horse and know you're still a beginner. All right? Okay. The next one that you're going to see is beginner friendly. So beginner friendly horse is anyone can ride it. It's like you should be able to put a most novice rider on that horse, and that horse is going to take care of them, not going to hurt them or do anything stupid. And then the last terminology you're going to hear is bomb-proof. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, there's no such thing as a bomb-proof horse, but that term is used. So what that means is it's kid-safe. You can put your little baby on there. You can put grandma on there. That horse is going to take care of them. All right. Now, I'm going to give those terms to you in a more realistic view now. Because when you're looking for a horse, see, I'm trying to sell it to you. So I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to give you words that might appeal to you. So those words would be used. So now, here's what the translation means. Green, possible rodeo in your future. <laughs> All, right. All right, so the reality is, is that horse needs a ton of work, and you're going to experience some things that you've never experienced before. Okay, advanced rider recommended. That says, I can't get this horse to calm down, and I want to bless you with it. All right? <laughs> All right? Advanced beginner. It says, you think you're a horse person. This horse is going to teach you that you're not. All right? Okay, the next one is beginner friendly. I'm going to tell you that that's a rare horse that most riders need and everybody wants. It is. And they are very few and far between beginner-friendly horses that actually have life in them. Okay, bomb-proof really means it's used up, it's lost its purpose in life, and it's one step out of the grave. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, uh, if you see a horse that says it's bomb-proof, I guarantee you it's in its middle to late 20s, and it's not going to live much longer. All right? I'm, that's because they've lost their will to live, because they've put up with us for all those years. <laughs> and they're just like, I'm done. So here's the thing. Why does this matter to us today? Well, you may be like, I don't even know why I came to church today, but there's a reason, okay? <laughs> this is, I'm not selling you a horse, by the way. <laughs> However, no, I'm kidding. Uh, my wife's is available. Uh, anyway, let's do this. Well, <laughs> I, <laughs> you want to... <laughs> I'm going to tell you, this is exactly what I told her. I said, babe, I'm going to buy you a horse. It's going to be a mare because I don't want my horse to get stretch marks <laughs> by being pregnant. So I'm going to get you a mare so she can have the, the baby. Anyway, uh, anyway, we'll move on. So <laughs> why are we here today? All right. A lot of churches advertise themselves as beginner-friendly or bond-proof. Right? There's not a church out there that doesn't think they're loving and friendly. No, they're not. So, like, we have this idea about ourselves, and see, because I think we're like this, I will promote it that way, but let's just say somebody that's a novice to church comes in, 
and they walk in the doors, and it's like, uh, this place is cold. It's dead. And usually, a bomb-proof church is one step out of the grave. It's a bunch of old people that have gotten stuck in their ways. They're not wanting to change. They'd rather stand around in the stall and do nothing and make sure that everything looks good than to risk anything. That's not us. I'm talking about all the other churches. I'm just saying. You know what I mean? So it's crazy how we think about ourselves and what we're trying to promote versus reality. Because the truth of the matter is there's very few horse people that represent their horses in reality. They are. And I think the church is just as guilty. We have an idea about ourselves. We have an idea about... I did a survey one time years ago in my church, and I said to the people, I was like, hey, what I want you to do is write down your definition of a Christian. What is that? And then want you to all hand it in. And as I look at those, then I want you to put your name on it, but I want to read it. And I want to see your definition and see if I can pick you out. Because, see, we have an idea of what that should look like. I wonder if we'd even measure up to our own definition. See, because we have a perception of things, but reality is different than our perception. And so as we view ourselves, we need to start to view ourselves in the reality of what God wants to say to us about our lives and about ourselves. So years ago in this congregation, as we were asking the Lord to show us, we already know who we are. We're not a perfect church. We're not a perfect people. We're here because we know we need God's help, and he has provided that help through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we already knew who we were, so we're telling people right now that we are um, we're not bomb-proof we're not, right? We're maybe, hopefully we're beginner friendly, but some of us aren't. Uh, so, you know, we, we would say that we're an advanced beginner church, maybe. I don't know, but I'm saying is here's the thing. When we view ourselves, we've got to look at what God says about us and to us and say, let's become what God desires for us to become, not our own perception because our own perception can be very cloudy and shaded and it can just fit the moment it can just fit the moment so i want to read these verses to you because a long time ago as we were looking through the leadership here and talking to one another we wanted to know what our mission was we are called by god to radiate the love of christ reaching the lost and the saved and restoring them in the right relationship with god into Christ-likeness, right? Okay, so that was our radiate, reach, restore was our mission. So now we knew who we were. Now we have a mission. We're not a perfect church, so if you look around, you're going to see some messed up people. We are here to radiate the love of Christ, so no matter how messed up someone might look, they can still radiate the love of Christ. We can reach people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Restoring them into that relationship with him. So as we walked through that process, there were these verses that God gave to us in Ephesians 4. And these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. 
This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Isn't that awesome? All right, so like I want everybody to know this, this, these verses are given to the whole church, but we suck at this, and I don't mean just CFL, I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. We have not done well in this area, and so what the Word of God tells us is that God has appointed leaders in the church. He's equipped them, and they are a gift to the church, and their responsibility is to equip the church to be able to do ministry. And as the church has lost ground in the United States of America, that says the leaders of the church have not equipped the church to do ministry. Instead, what we've done is we've said, hey, if you guys could come sit in your stall, just sit there in your stall and watch us. We're going to perform for you. And when we're done performing, we're going to let you out to go out to the pasture, enjoy your life, and we're going to call you back next week. That's what's happened. So what we've had is we've got a bunch of pastor Christians Pasture, not pastor, where we're out there just feeding our face, living life, showing up on Sunday for another show. And so as I look, and that's not a, that's the leader's problem. That's not the church's fault. It's what we've created. And so as we look at this, it's like, man, what God told us right here is he said, I've appointed leaders to take people from being green to be bomb-proof. And I'm doing that so that they aren't dead when that happens. That they still have some life in them that they can actually serve the body and fulfill my purpose for the whole. See, he said, this is why I've done this. So what it is, is like this. It is God's call in my life and the other leaders of our church to take people that don't know Jesus and introduce them to him. So it's kind of like, here's a saddle. Now, I know this is going to be uncomfortable at first, but you're going to have to do this. You've been living for yourself all your life, but it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And so now when we put that saddle on, pretty soon we're comfortable. It's like, oh, this is what it's all about. See, the truth of the matter is the horse was created by God for that very purpose. That's why they were made. But see, if they don't know why they were made, they're totally fine with being out there in a pasture and doing their own thing because they'd rather just be lazy if they can. I'm not saying anybody here is. I'm just saying that's what the horse does, you know? I'm content with doing my own thing and living for myself. But the fact of the matter is, is see, what God said is, I'm, I'm equipping leaders, and it's a gift of the church, to be able to equip these people to take them all the way through these stages. And so as we walk this journey with God, he's saying you're going to always have green. You're going to always have, you know, experience like necessary to handle this. It's like that toddler stage where nobody wants to work in the nursery. You know, that stage of life in their walk with God because it's still all about them instead of all about Jesus, but they don't know it yet. 
And then as you travel through the maturity process, pretty soon it's like, oh, I have a purpose in my life. Yeah, it's not about you. Wow, that's a revelation. So I got to do something for Jesus. Yes, you do. Oh, so what is it that he wants us to do? I have no clue. We should probably find out. Yeah. Wow, I just thought it was to go to church on Sunday. No, it's more than that. God has a plan for our life. And so he's like, all right, I want you to take them, and I want you to teach them and show them that God has a master plan for their life. You were not created to serve Amazon. You were not created to serve Raytheon. You were not. You were created to serve God. Those other things, yeah, those other things, our gifts and tools and things that God has given you as a mission field and to supply for you to be able to serve him. Wow, okay. So anyway, see, you have talents and gifts. You do. You do. And the body needs you. And... Um, what usually happens with churches is, uh, this is true, it's like everywhere. I'm telling you right now, this is the way it is. Usually you have a pen full of the same kind of horse. People attract their own kind and that's all they are. So you'll have little churches that are old dead people. You'll have a bunch of new Christians that think they know stuff and they don't know nothing. You know, you're going to have every one of these little groups of people and they're meeting together, and they're not blended like God wants us to, as we just read in the scriptures, where we can learn from one another as we grow in grace and love with one another with him to fulfill the full purpose. So I want, uh, as you just saw, my horse is coming 11, Kim's is coming 9, and little Latigo's is coming 2. So we have different stages of horses at different elements and walks in their life and spur my horse, of course, she sets the example of what perfection is. So, <laughs> so anyway, so, uh, the fact of the matter is we have to realize that people mature at different rates. And so, yes, I need some maturing myself, I know. But we don't mature at different rates, and we're going to be at different levels in different ways so that we can get confident in different stages of our life. So, you know, um, Angel, uh, Spur, my horse, I, I, that was my first horse I ever raised from birth. And so I wanted to imprint her, and I wanted to do everything with her. And I wanted that relationship with her. I, man, it was the coolest experience of my life. And so I cared about every detail. I did. And so when she was born, I wanted to make sure that I could touch every part of her body. Since so she was a baby, I had ropes on her. I did everything so that she was like, she's attached to me. My wife will tell you, that horse is attached to me. She's my girl, okay? Now we bring Angel into the environment, right? That's my wife's horse. I... I took her to see a different horse. I wanted to buy her horse, but I wanted her to buy the horse I wanted her to buy. <laughs> it's true. There was this beautiful red dun filly that I was like in love with, but I already had a horse, so I needed to get one for my wife, right? So I was like, you got to see this horse. We turned the corner 
and going down the road, and here's this little white little diamond in the pasture, and she goes, ooh, I like that one. I'm like, we're not here to see that one, though. <laughs> so you know what we ended up with, right? <laughs> okay, so let's fast forward a little bit. So this is my wife's horse. It's not my horse, so I don't have the same love for her. She wasn't my choice. She's your choice, and now I have to do stuff with her, right? So, so, so she was lacking in a few areas. I'm just going to put it that way, right? Uh, because I wasn't as intentional in equipping her. I wasn't. Because, see, my passion was not there for her. And so because I didn't have a passion for her, I allowed certain things to slide through the cracks because it was like, eh, she's fine. <laughs> so let's fast forward to where I'm going to get on her now, right? So I'm riding her in the arena. She's very compliant. She's watchy. What I mean by that is she's attentive to everything. She thinks everything is going to eat her. So she's kind of like, if there's a water bottle right there, she thinks that's like a mountain lion. Uh, you know, I mean, like, I'm talking about a, I'm literally a bottle that size to her brain says it's a mountain lion and she's about to die. So she's watching it so it doesn't attack her. Uh, now, she's not jumping. She's really compliant that way. But she's also not trusting me. There's a reason she didn't trust me. I didn't equip her. I didn't do the same things I do with Spur. Spur would have walked by and said, water bottle, I'm on my way. <laughs> Angel's like, that's a mountain lion, that's a mountain lion, that's a mountain lion, that's a mountain lion, that's a mountain lion. Why are you having me go by a mountain lion? You're supposed to protect me, right? Okay, so let's go. Here I am riding in the arena. We had cut some brush down. It was outside the arena over there. For the first few days, she kept staring at it on this side of the arena, looking at that pile of brush. And she was standing way over there. Finally, she's comfortable. Now I'm riding her by it. No big deal. And now I took her outside the arena. So that pile of brush is nothing to me because it's been there now for over a month. And we're just going right by that, right? Uh-uh. Not her. She's like, there used to be a fence between me and that mountain lion. <laughs> There's no longer a fence, and I'm not walking by there. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, let's go. So give her a little coaxing. Move it. Mm -mm. Not going nowhere. I'm like... I mean this kindly when I said, you're an idiot. <laughs> that's, that's been there for a month. What are you doing? And she's like, it hasn't been there like that. And so like I took her around back. I got her to go by, but it took a while. And I was agitated at her. I was. I, I mean, I'm being honest. I was agitated. I'm like, you're the dumbest thing. I knew we should have took that red gun. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, <laughs> anyway. So, you know, as I'm going through my own frustration, church, I want to hear this. Here, I was frustrated at her, and it was my fault. Totally my fault. Because, you see, I had left holes in her. And I didn't do what I should have done to prepare her for those things that were coming in her life. And what I expected is that she was going to act like the one that was prepared. So I had an expectation of her that was not realistic, but it was the very idea that I had planted inside of her. Be afraid. Don't be confident. That's what I planted in her. See, I had a confident horse, so I just thought you should be confident. Not that way. 
God's word says that we're to bring people through and mature them, helping them and helping them to see things and understand their walk with God. We kind of just kind of throw people into situations. That's a dangerous thing. Yeah, man, I mean, like, there's no way I would throw you on angel even today and say, go right down Speedway. Go ahead. You're fine. You would be. I'm confident that she would be, but I would never put you in that place. I know better. Okay, now, here's the thing that, that, that works. If I have spur in the front and angels behind, she's completely confident because of her, because she's the leader, right? So there's this security that comes in following someone that is mature. Man, I wish we'd learned that in the church. That we could just like walk with people and not get frustrated with them because they don't do it the way we think they ought to. Or that we expect more than they're able to produce because we haven't put into them. You know, the very discipleship process that God has called us to. So the church right now today, I mean, as a whole, the church of Jesus Christ is in such of a, a lack of mature believers. As a whole, not pertaining to Christian Faith Fellowship or the campus at Village of Oak Creek or Gospel Rescue Mission, because I know we're all perfect, but the rest <laughs> of the churches, most of them are either nurseries or funeral homes to be. That's the church. That's where it's at right now. And we, we lack in mature believers that are willing to come along and mentor a young person in their walk with God. We want them to mature because we want them to serve so we don't have to. Hebrews 5 says this. There is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. Really? Like, we're going to go back into the very beginning stages again. We all need refreshers. Please don't misunderstand that. But it's when we have to continuously go to the very same thing over and over again. It says that we're not getting it. We're not maturing. We're still all about our own self and doing our own thing. Listen to the word. This is what it says. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Okay, so that's a developed maturity right there it says right it's telling us in the word of god that it takes some maturity to recognize right and wrong what is it that god wants what is it that my flesh wants what's the difference and what do i make a choice in so it says through training so we need some skills implemented into us we need to grow that's why we offer like small groups just started a marriage class uh, last night or Friday? Last night, I think it was. Last night. And it's like, you know, y'all, we need skills in learning how to be married. Because pretty much we suck at that too. I mean, it. I mean, it's like, so we need some skills. So there's a, a class and here it is. Here's some skills for you to develop an understanding of what it means to be married 
and how to stay married. That's pretty important. Okay, so the same thing in my walk with Jesus. Well, I have to mature and grow. So it's like you get saved, you get baptized, now what? Oh, we just wait till we go to heaven. No, you got to develop some skills, some, some maturity and grow in your faith. Understanding of what God's word is, what it means to have a prayer life. What does it mean to know what God is saying to us? That the Holy Spirit actually lives in us. That he convicts us, not to make us miserable, no, to make us whole. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is a blessing. It's not a curse. It's a blessing. And he's telling me, hey, you need to make this choice. And if you make this choice, it's going to be better for you. Man, he's amazing. So, so uh, you know, if we just all stay in the arena, nothing's ever going to happen in life. If we just stay right here inside these walls and we come back together every Sunday and we're like, we love us. We love our music. We love what we do. We love the people that sit by us, except for those people that left, and we're glad they're gone. And we just stay in that little arena. You know, we're never going to experience the fullness that God has planned for us in our life. It's okay to be uncomfortable a little bit. It's okay if someone's in your seat. Today is definitely people in your seat, right? Because we all came together. So a lot of years ago, I thought I knew what it meant to work a horse, right? So I'm going to confess some things to you. And it, we're almost done, Jaron. Um, so <laughs> I just want to make sure he was still awake. Uh, so a lot of years ago, <laughs> did you point him out over there? Did you do that? that that's Jaron right there. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> remember we're not a perfect church we're not a perfect people so let's talk about this so a lot of years ago I thought I, I thought I knew how to work out a horse you know because I would ride them they'd be sweaty to walk them and cool them down you know and so I had no clue I was such a novice cowboy I wouldn't even call myself a cowboy I rode horses and I liked them to entertain me so as I did this um Kim and I got our boys lessons for riding horses. We took a vacation down in Georgia. We rented a place that had horses, like a, a house in the mountains there. And uh, the horses came with the, the cabin that we could ride. So it was very cool. And when I met the cowboy that owned the place, I told him, like, you know, my dream was to ride in the mountains and do this stuff. He goes, oh, I'll take you on a ride. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'd love that, man. And so when we went on the ride with him, I was like, dude, I have never ridden a horse before, and I didn't even know it. And I didn't know that a horse could do what we did. Like, I seriously, like, I treated my horses like they were in preschool compared to what we did. We went up that mountain where the saddle horn literally was in my face right there, like right there. That horn wasn't there just to look good. It was something to hold on to so you didn't go off the back, Right? <laughs> Now, as we were going up that mountain, straight up. Now, I know you can do zigzag trail. We didn't do zigzag trail. We went straight up. And when we went straight up that mountain with that thing in my, my face, uh, I realized how important the breast collar was on that horse because it was breathing so hard that if I didn't have a breast, that's the one that goes across the front. If that wasn't there, that saddle would have slid right off and I'd have went with it. And so this horse was breathing so hard that its chest was caving in like this extreme. I'm not exaggerating right now. I'm telling you, the horse went from this big to this big to this big to this big. 
And it, it was huffing the entire time doing this with all of it going. And so on this trail, this cowboy had like cut out uh, little parking spots. So like we're going up and all of a sudden he'd pull in and the horse knew. And that was so the, the horse could breathe. You know, you had to stop. No, it's not bad. It's okay. This, I'm just telling you the horse loved it. It wasn't like it was a bad thing. It was, it was loving it. But it would sit there and try and catch its breath. And you could tell it had its breath back. He's like, go. We went. And so when I got back to that ranch down there in that cabin, I was like, I have never ridden a horse before. I have never worked a horse before. That horse was wet from its ears to its feet. Sweat, totally soaked. It had done a workout and a half. And I was like, dude, I am like so amazing at how dumb I am and what I think. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I seriously thought I had worked horses before. All of my horses are babied big time. They're like prima donna divas. <laughs> they, are, uh, they don't even know what it's like to do a work. So um, here's the reason why I'm saying this. So I think a lot of us church people, are prima donna divas. Uh, I mean, you don't have to say amen if you're not. Like, I don't want you to feel like, oh, that's me. I mean, nobody's going to say, oh, I'm a prima donna diva Christian, you know, or anything. But I think that us in leadership, me, I'll just say me, I have treated Christians like that and try to make sure that they're okay rather than challenge them to step into the fullness of what God has in like an extreme relationship with Jesus Christ. This isn't a game. This is eternity. And it's like, man, you know, we all need to step it up. I don't care what you do. I, I, don't, I don't mean that wrong. I hope you understand what I mean by that. Um, too many leaders in churches are more worried about pushing you away than pushing you to become. And so we want people to be comfortable so they come back. Man, it's not about that. God designed us to serve him. He made us that way. And if we're not serving him, we're missing out on the very purpose of our existence. And so we're kind of, I'm robbing you of what God has for you by not pushing you further than you've ever been before. If you're not a little bit uncomfortable when you leave church, then something's not right. I mean, it's more than just a little jog around the arena. I hope you're not just here doing that thing once or twice a week. We're called to serve. We are called by God to serve him. Read the book of Revelation if you think it's a game. Mark chapter 10. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them? But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Who are you serving? Who are you serving? I mean, not just Jesus to say, oh, I serve Jesus. Okay, yep. Now he's asked you to do that by serving other people. Who are you serving? Who is it that we are taking on that journey to walk with God? See, if you've been a Christian for one day, one 24-hour period, you are more mature than your friends that don't know Jesus yet. Therefore, you have something to share with them and help them on their journey, right? So it's like, well, I don't know enough. None of us do. But if you know what it means to be saved, then you know enough 
to tell your unsaved friends what they need in their life. They need Jesus. And you know why. So some of you that have been saved for a while, who have you led into maturity? Seriously, think about it. Have you ever, I don't mean this bad. Well, I do mean it bad. Have you ever led anyone into maturity? Have you ever mentored anyone in any capacity to teach them what it means to follow Jesus Christ? I mean, it's like, why are we not? We're quick to like do social media. We're quick to make little responses. We'll do all the, like what in the world? You can't see someone that's, let's, let's say someone comes to the altar this morning and why don't you just like go to them after the service and say, hey, I saw you praying. Is there something I can pray for you about? What's happening in your life? That wasn't hard. And then you start a relationship with that person because now you're praying for them. And don't just say you're praying for them. I saw a little comic strip when, years ago when the pastor was walking up. He goes, oh, there's Billy. Lord Jesus, help Billy. Hey, Billy, I've been praying for you. <laughs> a little more than that, okay? <laughs> a little more than that is what we're talking about. All right, Philippians, let's go. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. We were what mattered to him. You and I mattered to Jesus enough that he gave everything so that you and I could have the opportunity to have a relationship. He's like, wow, now what have you done? Well, if you can hit me up between 3 and 3.15 on Tuesday... I'd probably give you five. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> so you see, some, of the, some horses won't follow. You'll see this in the arena, in the, uh, the, the descriptions and stuff. Uh, this is a leader. What they're saying is, it doesn't know how to follow. If it's not out front, it's not happy. And if anybody's in front of it, it's going to go around them and get in the front. You don't want a horse like that, do you? You don't. You want to be able to enjoy the ride. And if you're not humble enough to follow someone else, then you have a problem. So like if you're doing a ministry and you're not willing to share that ministry with someone else, teaching them, showing them, even the ones you don't like, then who are you anyway? I mean, what God's word just said to us is this, you know, like Jesus did this for us. So it's time we grow up, church, and begin to mentor other people into what it means to serve. There will be times where spurs are necessary, mm. right? <laughs> those are little pokey things that they wear on the back of their boots and stick into the ribs of the horse, in case you don't know what those are. Sometimes you need a little spurring. And... Um, Put up with the complaining. So what? Who cares? Not everybody's happy all the time. So what? Everybody wants glamorous jobs. I mean, like if we said, hey, we want you to sing with the mic. Now, I'm not saying anything about our worship team. I'm just saying, like, I want a microphone and I want to sing. Yeah, but I need you to clean the toilets over there. They're like, uh, yeah, but my gifting is singing. <laughs> I don't think anybody's gifted to clean toilets. <laughs> Nobody has ever come and said, you know, I'd love to be the janitor of this church for nothing. Nobody. But I've had a lot of people say, I got a song to sing. 
<laughs> I'm just saying, seriously, think about it. You know, like, what's the deal, man? Oh, let's, let's see what, what is it that God's asking us to do? <laughs> let's do our action steps. We good, buddy? Okay. <laughs> We're going <laughs> to... Do you guys know who I'm talking to over here? I don't know. This is an altar right here. <laughs> We're going to ask if anybody wants to come forward to do that. Step out, man. Come up. This is what it's all about. It's like if we're not going to do something about what we've been hearing, then we've just had a little jog in the arena. It means nothing. First off, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you haven't, this is where it starts. It starts by saying yes to Jesus in your own life. Secondly, I'm challenging you Christians. What is God speaking to you about in the area that you need to step up and mentor someone younger in the faith than you? <laughs> Stop offering excuses of I don't know enough. You're going to learn more by mentoring someone than you ever would on your own. Let's be the Christians that God has called us to be. Let's offer ourselves to him by serving other people. Are you willing to serve in an area that you would prefer not to? <laughs> it's pretty funny that we have an ongoing request for nursery workers. Seriously, think about it. An ongoing request. We're always trying to fill that void. Nobody's like, I've come here to the church to serve in the nursery, and please give me the toddlers. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, what is God asking us to do? All right, I see it's, oh Lord, Lord, we humbly come before you right now, and we're so grateful for your love for us. Thank you for serving us, God, you're amazing. Lord, we just ask that you would just speak into our lives and our hearts. We thank you for the gifts that you have blessed us with. Lord, take this church, your church, CFF, the campus at Village of Oak Creek, Gospel Rescue Mission. Lord, take us to new levels in our walk with you. <laughs> Lord, create in us a servant heart that you yourself have. Lord, let us serve you by serving others to the fullness, God, that you have called us to. Lord, we love you. We're so grateful and humbled to serve you, God. Thank you for today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much, church, for being here today. Yeah, I love you so much.